Vision Sunday. What an exciting time. Now, I, I need to get serious here. I have my jacket on, but it's a bit hot. Is it okay? I'm not completely, you know, uh, comfortable right now. It's a bit hot. Is it all right if I take my jacket off? Yeah. Is everyone okay with that? Okay. All right. All right. Let's get serious here, right? Yeah, Woo! All right. Cool. Woo! Okay. Our vision um, is get your permission on something before I get into this. And that is, is it okay if I kind of more just talk to you today? Is that right? There's moments where I might kind of really get fired up and go into a little bit of a preaching zone, but today I just want to kind of talk and have a chat with you and share. Is that all right? Because uh, I feel as we go through the vision uh, that that's important, that uh, gives you time to reflect and, and process. And so if you've never been to a Vision Sunday before, sometimes this type of message is different to a regular Sunday service. Regular Sunday service will bring a particular message that's very scripture-based. It'll have some stories and analogies, but the emphasis will be about bringing some practical keys and how you can apply the Word of God to your life, uh, to partner with God to get a new outcome or to get a breakthrough or uh, just to learn uh, different spiritual keys in your walk with Jesus. Uh, But today, um, I'm going to start with one scripture, and I'm only going to have the one scripture at the start to kind of flavor the message, and then the rest is very much aligned to that and is going to be very practical, but it's all got a strong spiritual undertone. Uh, and that's a good thing. Uh, practical and spiritual, that's good balance. And so that's going to be the flavor. So if you're expecting 10 scriptures on vision and how powerful vision is, um, we're not going to have that today. We're going to get into more the practical strategies of what God's put in our heart to release that into your heart. And But we are going to start with a scripture today. So I'll get our AV team to put up that first scripture. We're going to start with Habakkuk 2.2. And I love this scripture because in one verse here, it encourages the people of God to engage with vision in both a practical and also a spiritual way. Okay, And so we're going to look at that principle because that's what we want to do today as we go into Vision Sunday. And so let's all read it together. And then God answered, we'll try that again. Okay, let's all read this together, ready? One, two, three. And then God answered, write this, write what you see, write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. Okay, so what it's saying is, is that, uh, you know, when you get a vision, uh, it's important to write it down, make it very Uh, obvious, make it very clear so you can see it, and so that you can read it, and obviously so you can read it on the run, which means as you're walking it out, you can keep referring to it, it's very clear, you can keep going back to it, you can use it as a benchmark or a blueprint to keep checking and saying, okay, how are we going? Uh, Is the vision a little bit tired in our heart? Do we kind of, you know, need to pep it up a little bit and get God to help us to, to stay focused? And so this principle on vision relates not just to church, it relates to your life. This relates to the vision that you have for your marriage. This relates to the vision that you have for your family, the vision that you have for your finances, the vision that you have for your life, the vision that you have for your career. It's important as we go into new times and seasons to seek the Lord, knock at the door of His heart and say, God, what is it that you have for us in this season for all different areas of life? And God loves to release vision. Because he himself is a God of vision. Uh, You know, when he uh, created the world, he had an idea, a thought, and then he spoke it out. Let 
there be light. And then the Bible says, and there was light. So he created things by first imagining them, seeing them before they manifested. And so God himself uh, wants to invest this principle and get us to run with this principle because uh, we're created to be vision carriers and we're created to be vision uh, walkers and we're also uh, carried to be vision uh, writers and vision gatherers. And so uh, who here knows that when you write something down or you keep looking at it and you stay focused on it, it's an important thing to keep you on track. Who's ever decided that that's, that's true for them? Yeah, just show of hands, just wave at me. That's true for you. Good. All right, so we're all on the same page. So that's why we have Vision Sunday. If ever you wonder why do we do this? Why don't we just have like a little meeting and, you know, why do we get everyone together and encourage everyone to be here and celebrate Vision Sunday? Because there is a spiritual principle to what we're going to do practically today. That as you hear the vision, as you see it on the slides, as you're starting to get it into your heart and get into your mind, you're actually uh, going to start to be a vision carrier. And as we work together in teams, as we work together in unity, as God gives us more direction, as we pray, as we do training, that we all work together as one body, as one community to start to walk out this vision that God had pre-planned for this season. Amen. So let's go to the first slide. Thank you to my wonderful assistant, Jess, at the top who's going to work closely with me. So I wanted to start first with the Vision Sunday at Forever House, our why. Um, why, why are we going to have this vision? What is our why first? And the reason why I want to talk about our why is because it helps us to understand and it helps us to unlock the motivation behind the vision, okay? Uh, you may have heard me, sometimes I like to teach you the principle on the why behind the what. So a little bit later, we're going to talk about what is the vision and we're going to talk about how do we, how are we going to walk out that vision? And then we're going to talk about what next. So we've got a little bit of an action point to finish at the end where I'm going to get you all to kind of, you know, reflect on the vision and, and kind of reflect on maybe how you potentially, as we invite you to partner with us, how would you like to maybe participate in, in, in partnering with your local church to walk out this vision? So we're going to start with our why. Everyone say our why. Thank you, Miss Jess. Can I call you Miss Jess today, Miss Jess? <laughs> All right. Did you know? Did you know? So we're going to start with our why. First question, did you know that currently there are 90% unchurched people in Australia? Now, a percentage of those are actually Christians. So we've got some Christians who don't really kind of, you know, uh, get involved in church. That's the decision that they've made. They're unchurched. Um, and then we've got a lot of people who are unchurched because they uh, haven't either encountered God before or they might have said no to Jesus or they haven't been persuaded yet uh, by the power of the gospel. But 90% of our nation... Now, I know the census survey would probably say something different. Have you ever got the census survey before, right? And, and usually it asks, so what kind of religious affiliation do you have? And there's Catholic and Anglican and Baptist and I think... Uh, it used to say other, and now I think it says Pentecostal, and then you've obviously got the other religions there as options. And then you've also got, um, I think there's now an option there called no religion or atheist or whatever the category is. Um, and this particular percentage here would not necessarily reflect exactly what census says. And the reason why I'm highlighting that and why this is important for us to understand is that when, when Australia does a census survey, 
Um, just because someone ticks the box saying that they're Catholic or saying that they're Baptist or saying that they're whatever, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're an active follower and an, in an active relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? All right, and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're 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 kind of in a church community and they're being discipled and they're being encouraged to go to the Word of God weekly uh, to 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 really build their and nurture their relationship with Jesus. Um, and so, and again, it doesn't mean that if someone's ticking the box, it doesn't mean that they're actively a partner with the church to impact the community and to see more salvations come, so that we build the kingdom of God. So this is the reason. Why? This is one of the, the key reasons why we have this vision this year. I mean, it's nothing new. I don't think it would really surprise anyone here. But what I wanted to do, like the Habakkuk 2-2 principle, I want it in big, bold letters, and I want to, us to engage with the reality that the majority of our community around us whether we look at, at a national size or a smaller community size from Cooper's Plains to wider Brisbane, is unchurched. It means that the majority of people around us today are not actively connected to or walking with Jesus Christ. And who knows that the heartbeat of God is to change this percentage? Come on now, who knows that? Good. That's good. So this is one of the reasons why we're going to do what we're going to do as we uh, go through the vision. Okay, next slide. Thank you, Jess. And so what problem are we solving? This is continuing to answer the why. Why would we have a vision? Why do we have the vision specifically? Um, and today, the vision is specific about this church and about Forever House. I know that I've spoken to a lot of people about the other side of our building and our dance studios and our, our kind of community things that we want to do. But today, I'm honing in on Forever House and what we want, what we want our immediate focus to be in terms of this church community. So um, that's where I'm, my focus is today. So what problem are we solving? And I, wanna, I want everyone to think about this. Uh, because as a church called by the, the true God, the God that is live and active, we are problem solvers. We are called to bring a solution. And if we're called to bring a solution that we, we know uh, is, is, is a worthy solution, obviously we're, we're talking about Jesus as the solution, right? But we are ambassadors of Christ. Who here believes that you're an ambassador of Christ? Amen, right. And so we are solution providers as the local church and the community. But in order for us to start talking about what solutions and what are we going to do and what are our programs and what are our strategies, again, we want to take a step back and go, well, what actual problems are we solving? And again, I want us to connect our heart to the reality that we live in a world where lives are broken. We live in a broken world. We have a God who, who fixes uh, lives. We have a God who heals. We have a God who transforms. We have a God who uh, literally saves lives. He is the solution to this broken world. He is whole himself. That's why we, we say he is a holy God. If you look at that word holy and you unwrap it, it means he is whole. He is without blemish. There's nothing about him that is broken. And so because we live in a broken world, the only true solution is the unbroken God is here to save the broken world that we live in. Who believes that? And so we know that there are problems out there that hearts are hurting. I mean, just at the shopping center and you, you're at the checkout and, and you, you, see, you see, you know, just the other day, there's a couple there and uh, whether they're married or, or not, I didn't know, but you can just tell that the level of, of just absolute kind of 
just tension in the relationship and it just escalated in that moment and you can just see the eyes rolling and just the grievance between them and such a heaviness upon them and uh you know you look at situations like that and that's just one little moment of where the reality is is people are trying to live this life without god they're trying to live this life and try to fix the brokenness there's hearts that are hurting there's families that are fighting there are marriages that are mundane. They've lost, you know, they're still focused on that it's all about being in love when actually uh, sometimes you go through a marriage and it doesn't feel like you're in love, but love says you love anyway, even if you don't feel like. And so sometimes this whole, the, the way that the world paints it, how marriage should be always this beautiful romantic cruise bait holiday, and the reality is it isn't. And so when, when you have a mundane moment in a marriage, when you have God in your heart, He says to fight. He says to fight for that marriage. You go to the Word of God, you get scriptures, there's an ability for us to come into a place of victory when we apply the fixer, the God, the unbroken God to, bro to fix things that are broken. And yet there are people out there who are struggling with being able to just stay connected in covenant with one another when they first were so inspired and loved each other. And so marriages are mundane. Children are rejected. There's a brokenness in, in families. There's a lack of fatherhood. People aren't being raised. Um, I was talking to someone just the other day. Uh, passionate father works full time, uh, married, still in love with his with his with his wife, two adult children, young adult children, and his his daughter is is now in a, uh, a kind of a psychology psychiatric program, just to teach her how to deal with her deep depressive emotions because she has lost the ability or never really engineered the ability of how to uh, get her right thinking and to deal with negative thoughts where they don't actually mount to this big depressive thing. But she's going through this program where they're literally just teaching her how to reprogram her mind. And, and I'm, I'm listening to this story and I'm thinking, well, that's exactly what the Bible says, that we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, that when people come from darkness into light, that Christ causes immediately, even though we're born again of the Spirit, that we have to get the Word of God to wash out our thoughts. So He gives us an ability to have the mind of Christ to master those moments where, we, where the dark clouds are coming in. And yet this young girl has been raised in a family without God, without the proper teaching, without the proper training, without the, the understanding that God wants to partner with them to raise children up in the house of God, to strengthen their thinking and their thought life so they don't have to suffer ongoing clowns of depression. Is anyone hearing me? And I said to this father, I said, how did it get to this point? Can you think back? And he said, you know, I've struggled with this. He said, because my wife and I have always been types of people where we're just kind of logical people. So we remember back to our daughter being four and five, and she, she kind of got emotional, and she got upset, and I put some boundaries in. And she was about to do the wrong thing, and I said, no, there's going to be consequences if you don't do this. And it was like she was so stubborn, and she got so reactive, and it just escalated to this point where, you know, I just kind of gave up in that moment. It's like she, she never really learned how to de-escalate her emotion. This was this revelation that this guy was having as I was talking with him. My daughter never really learned how to de-escalate her emotion. 
And basically what he was saying is my daughter never realized that her emotion was not her identity, that she actually has an ability to control her emotions. Literally, what is that man who doesn't necessarily know God actually talking about? He's talking about he knows that there is some kind of a strategy or solution. But what he doesn't know is that that strategy and solution actually is in the word of God that is God breathed by Jesus Christ. And can I tell you that there are, there's brokenness out there and we have to engage with the heartbeat of God to say, you know what? He wants to see these lost people come into the kingdom of God. He wants to see them plant in the house of God and raised up by learning the word of God, learning these strategies that God has given us to raise up a generation of people who, who are not broken, but who are, who, are, who are light to the world and to be uh, Jesus carriers for the world. Come on. Children are rejected. Identities are confused. Addictions are attacking. I mean, these days I talk to people who've got addiction. It's, it's like it's just this never-ending just attack on them where they just their, their ability to have self-control is becoming less and less, and it's just crippling them. Uh, unforgiveness is stealing joy. You know, it, it seems like... Uh, you know, with the whole platform of social media and, and, and you can get offended with people that you don't really even know because of just something they post on social media. I mean, you're not even in a relationship. So there's like this, this kind of escalation of just kind of a, having a grudge with people that don't really kind of have the same opinion as you and you don't even know these people. And, and it's just like an atmosphere that I think has accelerated in this generation because of the technology that we interact with. And it, it means that because of that, that people are disconnecting from community. They're not really uh, being able to benefit from the realities and the, the great things of what real community is and what God has created us and designed us to, to participate in. Debt is strangling. You know, people are struggling to manage their money and they're in debt and, and, and they're working just to kind of see most of their income in the bank account go out to pay everything and they've barely got enough left in there to, to do anything fun with their family and it, it's 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 like a, it's like a it's a strangling thing where people are being choked of any hope or faith for something uh, more beyond just the mediocrity of the day-to-day living and 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 god wants to change this come on god wants to bring solutions to these things well, this is our why disappointment is deafening uh, the, the level of disappointment in people's lives. You know, I don't think this slide is really any majorly different to what it was 50 years ago, a 1,000 years ago, because at the end of the day, the reason for all this is that we live in a broken world, and that's because of sin. We're separated from God, and until we come back and we give our life to Jesus Christ, we're, we're not connected to the power and, and the direction and the strategy to bring wholeness into a life that is broken. Amen? So disappointment is deafening in people's hearts, and people are lost. You and I are positioned in a world that is lost, and we have inside of us the solution. The identity shaping, the curse conquering, the undefeatable God lives inside of us. And uh, so we are called, this is our why, we are called to bring Jesus. So now the next slide, please, Jess. So the answer is Jesus. Everyone give him applause for that. Come on, let's give some praise to God. The answer to all this is Jesus and his church. Uh, they actually are married together. Did anyone know that? Which means they're in partnership. You can't separate them. They're in covenant with each other. Jesus and his body, Jesus and his church, uh, because we are the arms and we are the legs of Jesus. So for Jesus' mission to be mobilized, the church has to be active. The church has to be united. People have to engage with the church for Jesus to move because uh, 
you know, usually when you see breakthroughs and you, you see uh, uh, an ability for a community to be blessed, it has to be a godly community, common unity, not just one person, but a team of people working together where God could command a blessing. And so the answer is Jesus and his church. Again, is this anything brand new to you? No, it's not. But again, I want us to focus on our why. So what do we care about? Again, part of our why do we care about? What, what's our motivation behind this vision is we care about salvations. We do. We care about salvations. Uh, we love to invite people to say yes to Jesus and grow the kingdom of God by believing for salvations every week. So one part of our vision is we want to do more altar calls. We want to do more opportunities for people to give their life to Jesus. But we want to encourage people in any uh, way in our church where it's mobilized in homes, it's mobilized in community, it's mobilized in different programs, uh, it's mobilized just through relationships wherever you are at university, workplace, that we are called to be a witness to this world. And we want to see people respond to the gospel because the gospel is good news. And so we, we care about salvations. Anyone here care about salvations? Good. We care about disciples and making disciples. Uh, this is what we're, we're called to do, and we want to make disciples. We want to uh, help to see people become strong in their faith. We love to see people get planted in the house of God, to grow strong in their relationship with Jesus, and thrive in life. Now, this, this isn't always peachy keen. I was speaking to a great couple this morning, and I said, you know what? You guys are on track. We had a chat about where life was at for them. We got a feeling for how things were going. And I said, I want to encourage you because their report back was, it's not all perfect. There's some things that we need to fix and there's some, some, some areas that we need to break through in. And, but they're doing stuff. They're partnering with God. They're hearing with God and they're putting solutions in place. They're putting the word in place. They're praying about it. They're asking for mentorship. They're asking for some counseling in different areas. And so I said to them at the end, I said, you know, I want to encourage you guys because you are on track. You are on the right path. I said, but be encouraged because being on the right path doesn't mean that the path is always smooth. The path sometimes can be really like, like rocky, right? And so we trip over the rock or, you know, there's walls in the way or there's like thorns and ferns. We need to cut stuff out of the way. And so sometimes I think we believe that because we're part of this thing called Christianity, that if we're really on track, then everyone would be peachy keen, that all the lawn is manicured. And everyone thinks fertilized and it all smells rosy. But that's not the reality. The pathway, the narrow pathway of discipleship that Jesus calls us into. It's the right pathway. It's the good pathway. Because we're growing in things, God. But it doesn't, doesn't mean it's a smooth pathway. Okay, it can have lots of rough, messy edges to it. And we can trip up at times. But that's what discipleship is about. Okay, discipleship is about helping people to keep walking on the pathway that God has for them. The shepherd has called them into the kingdom of God. Now he wants them to walk with him. And along that pathway, it's a journey of growth. It's a journey of maturing. It's a journey where things drop off. It's a journey when they pick up things. It's a journey where they learn how to, uh, to, to master their world, where they learn to speak to things so things will, will move out of the way. They learn to speak to things so things will manifest in front of them. It's all about that pathway, discipleship. And then the third thing that we care about, and this is a real motivator for the vision, is we care about leaders. We care about making leaders. I've had some positive feedback. People have said, you know, there's been such a, an obvious increase in some people stepping up to do with the things of God, and not just in church or ministry. We don't want everything today just to be about the local church ministry. We're talking about life in general. We've had people who've said, you know, I've noticed there are people who've really stepped up in life. 
they've really stepped up in leadership. They've really stepped up in leading their lives, in, in applying the Word of God and seeing them become more influential. And now they're starting to lead other people and take them on a journey. And so we believe in... Uh, uh, Love it. Well, we love to equip and empower people to rise up in leadership in church and life and ministry to extend the boundaries of influence and mobilize the people of God. And so this is another reason why we have a vision. Everyone on board? Cool. Next slide. So why do we care about all of that? We talked about what we're into, but why do we actually, why, why is that important? Why is it important to notice that there's 90% of most of the nation that's unchurched? Why is it important to, to talk about that, you know, we believe and we care about having seeing salvations and disciples being made and leaders being raised up. I think the first point here is God, God's, should be just God, God wants more people in his kingdom. Full stop. Not strong revelation there, but again, engaging with he wants more people in his kingdom. Who believes that? And uh, so... That's one of our whys. Next one is God wants his church to grow and expand and multiply. Again, nothing new, but in a moment I'll share why this is so specific to us. And the third thing, for us, God wants us to continue building a strong home base. What does this all mean? Uh, a couple of years ago, I think last year, Vision Sunday 2017, I shared about this story, but I'm now going to give you part two. Is that okay? Part one was two years ago, Sarah and I, for those of you who are wondering where Pastor Sarah is, my, my beautiful wife, Usually she would be here, but she's serving in creche today, okay? So she is behind the vision, all right? She is here today. <laughs> but two years ago, I think it was two years ago, maybe it was three years ago, we were at a, a global Christian international conference in Florida, and uh, it was a great, great meeting, great word, and there was a very strong uh, kind of call to action uh, where there was an altar call, and there was lots of uh, different ministerial leaders from different parts of the world there, powerful meeting. And Sarah and I went to the front, and I inquired to God about a month before. I said, God, when we go to this conference, I would like a very specific nugget of direction. I want you to drop a nugget into my heart. I want clarity. I want more clarity around a particular thing. And one thing was to do with our family and to do with our, our work and our career and our, our business. And the other thing was obviously to do with our church, Forever House. And uh, so when we're on the altar, uh, God was uh, very much putting that nugget. It was very clear to me what God was uh, saying to us. And last year, uh, we, I talked about this story, but I didn't give you the specific thing that he told me about. Okay, today I get to tell you that. All right, I'm not going to tell you that right now. I'm going to tell you that in a couple of slides. So hopefully your appetite's getting a little bit wet. But the key here is that uh, God wants us to build a strong base here. And in a moment, we're going to see why that is. But what I mean by a strong base is God has given me the analogy of a baseball uh, game. And for those people, uh, don't, don't throw stones at me. I'm about to say something that, you know, I probably shouldn't say this because I might, it might impact the rapport with some people. Anyone here love cricket? Okay. Only two people. All right. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. All right. Because my father-in-law, Greg, absolutely loves cricket. And my brother-in-law, Ben Bailey, he absolutely loves cricket. So we kind of really connect on tennis. Shell, do you like tennis at all? Kind of. All right, we'll just try to connect somehow, all right? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'm not a massive uh, fan of cricket. I don't mind a game here or there. But uh, when I lived in the States for a year, um, I really got into watching baseball. It's a quicker game. I don't know, my intention span, whatever it is. And so I, I know that when God talks to me, he, he talks to me in ways that make sense to me. 
right? If God had given me a cricket analogy, to be honest with you, I'd probably think I just had too much pizza the night before and it wasn't really God talking to me. But he talked to me with a baseball analogy because God knows who I am and God knows I like baseball. So with the baseball analogy, he showed me the four bases. You've got the home base and then you've got second, uh, third and fourth base and you've got the home base. And so he really said this, that uh, this is a season where you're going to continue to strengthen the home base of Forever House to structure and position the community to be able to establish other bases. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But I think the key here is, is that there's two main angles to our why. The first angle to why we're motivated to run with this vision this year is because we want to see more people come to Jesus Christ. That is our primary motivation. We want to see more people uh, be born into the kingdom of God. Now, uh, thank goodness we're not the only church that's into that. Okay, can I just say that when I hear that there are people giving their hearts to Jesus Christ uh, down the church, down the road, praise Jesus, right? Uh, this vision isn't just about us and what we're doing here, but when there's, you know, there's, there's salvations on the Gold Coast, there's salvations on the Sunshine Coast. I mean, every local church should have the vision to see more salvations, to see more people give their hearts to Jesus Christ. Who believes that? Okay, and the second angle to that is, I'm a big believer, most people know that, is that when you see people give their hearts to God, they need to get planted somewhere. And obviously, we're a part of that, that, that I suppose, that strategy, but we're not the only part of it. There's m- many local churches, but we know that if God has, uh, you know, given uh, us the ability to influence through relationship and to lead and help someone come to Christ, then we should nurture them and we shepherd them to get them planted in the local church so that they can get raised up. There's a great analogy of this in the Bible where it talks about when the word is thrown on different types of soil and it's thrown on good soil, it's thrown on rocky soil, it's thrown on soil with weeds. And that represents the word of God represents the revelation of Jesus Christ. That when people receive the revelation of Jesus Christ, we've got to know that it doesn't always fall on beautiful, fertile soil. Soil. Who knows that people have worries and anxieties, and so sometimes when someone gives their heart to God in a moment, in a conversation, in a connect group, in an altar call, in an evangelism program, whatever it is, that that doesn't necessarily mean that that revelation that they've had that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior is necessarily going to be nurtured and protected by itself. Because the enemy represented in the scripture by the bird will come and try and steal the revelation and, and or choke the revelation. So where that person goes back home and goes back into their bills and their marriage problems or the reality and the worries of life, that that revelation can be choked up or that revelation can fall on, on rocky situations or whatever where their sense of, of, of a small seed of faith can, can start to kind of dry up. And so it needs to be uh, positioned in a place where it can, it can grow. And the revelation in their relationship with Jesus Christ can grow. And the Word of God can grow in their life. And the Spirit of God can grow in their life where they get trained and motivated. And so it's important that we position people in the right place spiritually that creates an atmosphere where we can take that seed of revelation, their salvation, and we can help it to grow into a long-lasting, persevering walk with Christ. Come on now. That's what we're called to do. So we're called to see salvations. We're called to make disciples. And we're also called to raise up leaders because long-term, this is not the only forever house that we want. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. And so God said that he wants us to have a strong base. Now, we have a strong base. But interestingly, God said specifically a particular size or a number. Now, for those of you who are new... Last year was, I think, our seventh year doing our church. We planted with about five or six people in our living room seven years ago. Last year was the first year I'd ever talked about 
numerical numbers or numerical goals. The first six years, I never talked about numbers. Why? Because God told me not to talk about numbers. Why did I do it last year? Because I felt God said, talk about it, right? And this year, I feel like God says, talk about it some more, okay? Be specific, right? So I'm just doing what I feel God's asking of me, and I'm just being faithful with that. Is that cool? All right. But if you've only been here for like eight months and you're hearing the First Vision Sunday and you're going to see me talking about numbers today, I just want to make sure that you have a balanced perspective that numbers ain't my only thing. All right. Okay. Because the whole six years we did church without even talking about it. Is that cool? But there are timings and seasons. And so I'm just flowing with what the Spirit of God is asking us to do as the leader of the church. And so this is why. Why do we care? Uh, because we want to see more people. We want to see uh, people get planted in the house of God. We want to see more salvations. And we want to see uh, this place get to a strong base where we can then release leaders who've been raised up and we can actually create other bases to keep multiplying what God's doing. We have a call, like every other local church. Who knows that in the Old Testament, there's the great story of the different tribes, right? You had the tribe of Judah, who their flavor was worship. And you had the tribe of Issachar, and their flavor was discernment. I know the times and seasons. Let me tell you what the Lord is going to do. There was a prophetic mantle upon that tribe. And in the New Testament, there's a similarity. There are different local churches and denominations and networks of churches all around the globe. Who knows that? And who's noticed that there's different flavors? Some churches have a little bit of a stronger emphasis or a gift or a grace more around here. And some churches have kind of a more here and, and some churches here. And usually you get called and you get planted into a church because there's something about your individual gift, your individual calling, your anointing on you on your family that God sees can help to uh, add value and invest into the greater corporate anointing of that local church. Come on now. Right? And so um, what we're doing here is we're not saying, hey, we're the only thing and our flavor is the best. And if you don't like a flavor, well, there's something wrong with you. The reality is, is there's so many amazing flavors to do with the kingdom of God. Our God is so varied and awesome and, and we praise him for that. But what we've got to do is we've got to be true to ourselves. And what we have to do is we have to talk about, well, what is our flavor? What's our DNA? And we invite you then to journey with us as a greater team to kind of walk out that flavor and that focus. Does that make sense? Cool. One thing I've learned as a pastor is I'm going to be more effective as your pastor and our pastoral team are going to be more effective in being a pastoral shepherding team towards you. If we make the decision that we, we are not going to try and be everything to everyone. We're not going to try and do everything that every other local church is doing because that's what this person's into. And so to keep this person, we need to do this. And, and to, to have these people, we need to do this. And, and then to attract these people, we need to do this. And, and because what it does is it means two things. One, you're not really solidified in your identity as a local church. And two, because you're trying to be all things to all people, you're probably not in a healthy way recognizing that it's actually not all about you. Right? We're one local church of thousands, of, of hundreds of thousands around the world. So we've just got to tune into what has God called us to do and to walk that out and to represent that the best way that we can and to have a go. Who believes that? Come on now. Can I hear a little bit more feedback? Who believes that? Good. Because this is not just about me. This is about us. All right? Let's have a look at this next slide. Our what. So we've covered our why. Now we want to cover our what. All right. 
Jess, can you go to the next one for me? Good. So we're going to reflect back. Everyone say reflect back. We're going to reflect back so we can move forward. Is that, is that all right? So let's talk about what happened in 2017. Uh, in 2017, uh, we launched a vision that we wanted to, uh, we wanted to grow. And we talked about numbers. Uh, we've had a great uh, journey over six years. Um, but let me be clear. There's been no specific focus around numerical growth. We've just been loving what we've been doing. God's been rocking up. People are coming. People are kind of hanging out. And we have teams. We're doing great things, great worship, prophetic, uh, you know, ministry. And we see salvations. And we went from one location where we started in, in, uh, in Paddington. And then that, that was an interesting journey because it was a great venue opposite Suncorp Stadium, right in the heart of the city. It was a cool little event center where we kind of launched our church uh, about seven years ago. And uh, it was great for a season. But then when the lease came up, we went to renew it. And they called us and they said, oh, look, sorry, this is really bad timing. But you've only got four weeks until you have to move out. Everyone go, uh-oh, uh-oh. Four weeks until you have to move out. <laughs> because they were turning the event center into... They were turning event center into offices. Um, obviously, the event center wasn't working for them in terms of revenue. And so then I had four weeks to find a whole location for our church. And then on Facebook, I noticed that there was a church that was moving out of a building down in Logan. So everyone think of Paddington and then think of Logan Central, right? I mean, in terms of distance, different location, right? We had people who were coming to Paddington from the north side. And can I just, can I just, can I just tell you? Those four weeks were very stressful because we didn't have a building and we had to move our congregation. And so I said, God, and we had a lot of people uh, in, in our Paddington who were kind of going like, and Sarah and I like, can we make this? But what about the people from the north side? We're going to lose them, blah, blah, blah. And we had to do it because it was really like God was saying, well, there's no other option to us. So we did it and we made the move and we were supposed to be there for at least a year. Eight months, it came up to eight months, and this other community group bought the building we had to move out. Then we had to go to a transitional place in Logan. I won't even name the name of it, but it wasn't a fun place to be. Except for a couple of people, they really loved it. But <laughs> we didn't really like it, right? We tried to make the best of it, we, we stayed positive. We were like, God, you know, God help us. And then we were talking to another building. Uh, that was quite expensive and it was just like, you know, to permanently lease and I'm just like, oh, good. and that was going to be in Underwood and then I signed something that was just talking about potentially looking at it and I did my legality checks because I'm, I'm good at that and this real estate agent tried to hem me in on that it was a locked in contract none of you probably even know this story and they tried to make out that we had to go into the building for three years so I had to call my lawyer it was interesting and so Sarah and I hands and knees and we're going God help us and anyway he helped us because what happened we had to pay a deposit to kind of even have a conversation and they were threatening they weren't going to give us our deposit back for the lease and it was all those legalities anyway we got on our hands and knees and we said God save us from this situation. These evil people are trying to lock us in. We're trying to build your kingdom. God, save us! <laughs> it wasn't a polite prayer, but it was heartfelt. And God heard it. Amen. And so you wouldn't believe what happened. That afternoon, the money just rocked up in the bank account. And we did some investigating because we'd been sent a letter like, um, you better talk to us and you better look at talking about you going in for three years because you won't get your deposit back, right? Anyway, it turns out 
the real estate agent forgot um, that he'd told the admin person to put the deposit back. And when he got instructions from the evil people to keep the deposit, he forgot that he told the admin. So the admin person has just gone off and released the funds back in her bank account. And we got it back! Victory! <laughs> and so I'm just sharing the journey. It's, it's, not, it's not always easy when you step out by faith. Uh, is it fun? Yes. Is it sometimes scary? Yes. But that's what it is, right? We have a go. And we, uh, we get going and we have a go. And so uh, it, it hasn't been easy. When you pioneer something from your, from your living room with a handful of people, I mean, it's, you know, and, and, and particularly, can I just say, you know, I'll be honest with you. Uh, these days, when I, when I first became a Christian, there was no social media. I mean, Facebook wasn't even in existence then. So the ability for church members to see what other churches were doing and how amazing their services were and their lights and everything like this. I mean, we were, we were in that temporary location in Logan. I'm like why would anyone want to come here, right? I mean, this is not really a fun place to be, but you just keep believing. And not that it's always about the location or about those things, but it's about, we've got to understand, we're dealing with these practicalities as well. And so I just wanted to share this story with you that then we transitioned from uh, that crazy contract place to we got it on our hands and knees again, and we said, God, we really, we, and we had a moment, Sarah and I had a moment where we were just, I think we fasted and prayed like we'd never fasted and prayed before. And Sarah usually is not great at fasting food because she has such a high metabolism everyone thinks that she doesn't eat she eats so much she's got one of the best appetites i know all right it's her metabolism that she gets from her dad <sighs> all right and so she fasted food for like you know well she fasted two meals a day for like two days that's a lot for her because usually she'll fast social media or tv instead of food because otherwise she gets really faint and that kind of thing so we really went at it and we get a phone call from one of her um, bridesmaids um, uh, when she got married, obviously, her bridesmaids, and, and saying, hey, uh, <coughs> we're, uh, you know, our building where we, we've just, you know, she, this person owned a dance school, and so basically they were leasing this building, they were moving out, and they, they came, and it just was amazing. And we met with the owners, and we talked it through, and it was just like, this place here was like half the cost of the place we were looking where those people being crazy and, you know. And it was just an amazing thing that God did. And so I wanted to share that with you because the journey has not been easy. Uh, it's required faith. It's required perseverance. It's re required a lot of getting down on our hands and knees and just saying, God, help us out here, right? But last year, we had a particular strategic turning point in that God had said, okay, the five or six years where you're learning what, you know, when you, when you birth a church, you tr like, like an infant, you're trying to work out who you are. You're trying to learn how to crawl and walk, and you're trying to work, what, work out what you like, what you don't like, what you're into, what you're not into. And as a church, starting out, that's some of the challenges to kind of really start to engineer your identity and get the downloads. And who knows that when God releases vision or releases identity, he doesn't always do it in a whole amount. He does it in, in bits and pieces, and you start to patchwork it together. And so that's been the journey. So last year, we set a very strategic goal to grow. We talked about the analogy of JFK and how uh, he got the U.S. Uh, 
astronauts to actually beat the Russians to the moon by using a principle called uh, 4DX, or X to Y by when. And so basically, it's a very, very fixated way of having a streamlined vision. And so we talked about going from a certain amount of attendance to another amount of attendance within 12 months. And so within uh, 12 months, we've actually grown by 40%. All right, now that seems like a lot. But really, when you break down the numbers, what does that mean? Well, we had an average attendance of 55 adults. That's average, right? Because not everyone comes there every Sunday, and we get that. That's cool. That's just the way it happens sometimes. So we went from an average attendance of 55 to 75 adults in one year, okay? Now, most churches, if they have a good year, they will grow by 10%. That's a good year for a church to grow by 10%. We grew by 40%. Everyone say hip, hip, hooray. Now, it doesn't necessarily seem that amount because we're not, you know, we're not a massive church, but it's a significant understanding that God is doing something in terms of wanting us to, to kind of go into this direction. And in a minute, I'm going to show you a visual, because I'm very visual, that highlights that what God's doing. So we went from 55 adults to 75 adults in average attendance. We went from 15 children to 25 children in average attendance. And so we went from 70 people overall to 100 people in average attendance in 12 months. Okay? Everyone say growth. And that's exciting. That's exciting. Particularly because you've just heard the reality of the journey that we've walked out. It hasn't all been peaches and cream or cream. All right? Next slide. In 2018, we want to continue to grow. So we want to continue um, on this focus. And so uh, our vision, if we had a drum roll, so our vision is 24 to double. What does that mean? Thank you for that one person that applauded. I can feel your passion. (laughs) 24 to double is uh, our vision. It's what our focus is going to be. What does that mean? That uh, within 24 months, we want to double from where we are now. Okay, 24 to double. And so this is the first time we've ever cast a two-year vision. All right, so it is the vision for 2018, but we feel that God wants us to have a focus that's going to go for 24 months, and then we're going to step back and see what he's done and applaud him, right? And, And then keep going with whatever else he asks us to do from that point. And so we're going to have a go. Everyone say, have a go. go. All right, let's break this down even further. Thank you, Jess. So let's get specific here. You might not be able to read the little writing down the bottom, but I'll talk you through. So 24 to double. Everyone say 24 to double. And so the first, this is actually uh, the visual sign of growth. So the very first one uh, on the left-hand side is January 2017, where we had a grand total of around, you know, 65 people. Um, or 70 people. Then by halfway through 2017, uh, that went up. And by January this year, that's now at 100 attendants, including children. Okay? So you can actually see from January 27 through to January 2018, which is the 12 months. Obviously, I know we're in February now, but we're looking at that particular focus. Uh, We've had nice growth that's represented 40% that we've talked about. Okay? And so now what we want to do is from January 2018, or I know it's February, but from January 2018 through to January 2020, okay, which is 24 months. All right? So officially we'll probably, uh, when we re-look at these things overall in this kind of setting, we'll look at it more in February 2020 because that's usually when we do our Vision Sunday in February. So come February 2020, 
uh, we want to double from where we are now, okay? So does that kind of make sense, that visual? Cool. So let's go to the next slide. So by 2020, we want to go from an average attendance of 100 people to 200 people by January 2020. Everyone say hip hip hooray. <laughs> we then aim, everyone, why? What's this? So on the, uh, going back to the story now, that on the, um, that conference three years ago, when I asked God to give me a gold nugget last year at Vision Sunday, when I said that we wanted to go from, say, 55 people to 100, I shared the story of, of the global conference that God had given us direction, but I didn't share the specific gold nugget. And that at that moment three years ago, God said, Brad, I want you to understand, I want you to rally your church that I've called you to lead, and I want Forever House to work together to build a membership, to build a congregation of 200 people. And it was so like... <laughs> now, you've got to understand, for me, I never really asked God specifically to talk to me in numbers. I don't know what it was, maybe with Greg and Julie and how training... Um, They've always encouraged us to focus more on the anointing, focus on the Word of God, focus on the spiritual stuff. They've said, hey, we understand sometimes, you know, churches get into the things of marketing and that kind of thing. But they've said, that's good, but that should not be the priority. These always should be there. So our whole training, and we've been raised up to focus on building the anointing and building the atmosphere of faith. Does that make sense? And building relationship with people. And so we've been encouraged that we've, 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 we've been tested by God not to start out by focusing on all the, the other things. And some churches might start there, and that's okay. But we were just being faithful with how God had asked us to start. And so what I love about this is that I knew... <laughs> I knew that God uh, was, was, was talking to me um, because I'd never really actually specifically talked to him in terms of numbers like that before. I never really looked at spreadsheets. That wasn't really. And so God had said to us, I want you to focus and I want you to work with the team to build the church to 200. And then I asked, why? And he said, I want it to be 200 because one, I want more people in my kingdom. So he cemented that key principle. I want to see more salvations. I want your church to, to bring more people in, to get them to give the heart to God and to help them to, to grow in the things of God. So primarily, the first part of it was to build my kingdom. The second thing is I want you to build a base of 200 because then the base will be strong enough and healthy enough and have the right spiritual size to then be able to actually release people within that base to go and actually plant another church. Is everyone hearing me? Now, let me say this to you. You may go, oh, well, well, why, why specifically 200? Well, the reality is, is that, uh, to, to, to speak transparently, um, you know, there are some people in, in, in our church right now who are interested in, in, in ministry. They're interested in being a pastor of... Uh, you know, a forever house one day somewhere else. And that's great. And we're working and we're doing mentoring and we continue to believe for more people like that and, and raise them up. But not, that's not what everyone's called to, right? It's not always about that focus. We're here to bless families. We're here to, to grow children. A lot of people have calling in the marketplace. They have calling to raise a family and that's great. But what I know is that with part of the calling of our church to release people and to have them plant other forever houses in other locations is that if we did that right now, in fact, if I could think of someone right now, I won't name them, but if I thought of someone right now and I, I, I released them right now, 
even though that would be a blessing in terms of starting new location, in terms of our team right now, we would feel the impact. Does that make sense? And so it's like anything. If you use the analogy of um, like, a, like a butterfly in a cocoon, okay, that's, that's transforming from that caterpillar and it's in that growth stage and it's transforming. If you release that out of the cocoon to, to fly too quickly, it actually will not flourish. Does that make sense? And so the same is true here is that, yes, we, we want to see the kingdom of God expand and we have a vision to have other forever houses. But if we rush that process, uh, if we do it too quickly just because we like the idea of looking like we're growing, and we have, you've got to have wisdom. It's like a good stew. Spiritually, we're, we're, we're seeing people come to God. We're seeing them be disciples, and it takes time. We're building a relationship with people. We're getting people an opportunity to raise up, to step out. They make mistakes. They learn from that. And if you rush that development process, uh, then long term, uh, it, can, it, can, it can have consequences. And, and we've seen that. We've seen people rush this process uh, too much, and we've seen those consequences where people go out, they get sent out, and then they're not supported enough, and then that fails, and then the home base gets impacted as well because that person has then left a void and a hole, and there's not necessarily someone ready yet to step into that place. And so that's why it's critical that we follow the timing and the seasons of God. One thing I've learned about God is He's not into microwaving. <laughs> you ever learned that? Right? I wish sometimes he was, but he's not. He, he likes to, to cook a good stew. So uh, once we get to that, to that, to that base, uh, that base of, of having uh, that kind of uh, congregational size, but what you've got to understand is when, when that, what that means is, is that that congregational size is not just about having 200 people. It's about that when we get there, there will be more leaders, There'll be more people who, who've been trained up, who'll be positioned to help with the workload of shepherding and doing the work of the ministry. Awesome. Next slide. Thank you, Jess. And so let's talk about our how, and we're going to get through this because I know we, we want to have lunch, but I want to talk about our how. Next slide. <clears throat> 24 to double training and strategy program. So 24 to double is uh, actually a, uh, not just our focus, but there's actually a program that as a church we have invested into. It's a, a global uh, kind of a ch- church development program uh, where it provides a lot of training to leaders and to team members around uh, different strategies and different understandings about how to do the work of the ministry to help to build a church community, see people come uh, to reach out to the lost, see them come in. And so we're going to talk about that strategy. But what I want you to know is, is that there is a specific program or training. There's actually 24 modules of training different modules uh, that we're going to give all of our leaders access to, and then they're going to give access to their team members to the relevant modules around whatever team people are positioned in. But there's a whole training and equipping program. This is how we're going to do it. That gives us detailed strategy and blueprints about how we do these things. Okay. And so can I say this to you? In a way, uh, wherever you are and whoever you are at Forever House, uh, whatever training you get access to, depending on what team you're in, it, it's fantastic training. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, and some of the statistics and the insights they have around relating scripture to practical strategies around discipling people and, and how to reach the community and, and how to actually raise people up and, and how to, 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 to understand their, their giftings. For example, just one tool alone, if I could just share one thing, we're going to give you a lot more information about this as the days unfold, but just one tool is a, is a detailed spiritual gift 
gifts assessment, where actually where we have someone who's not really sure where what you know what are their gifts in in the things of God, and they can actually do this assessment, this kind of like um, not like a, not like a test, but like a like a profile thing that actually gives them a report that really highlights them and gives them insight into where their gifts is, and, and therefore what type of team or what type of area of ministry they might most flourish in or, or most enjoy. And so it's just that's just one example of a tool that can help us uh, to uh, empower our church to do the work of the ministry. And so what we're going to do with this training. Um, is uh, all of our leaders are going to uh, have access to it, the different team leaders, um, and they will give access to the rel- relevant modules of whatever team you're in. Um, but holistically as a church, we want to make sure that we're all kind of marinating in this and we're all on the same page and we're all u- unified. So because there's 24 modules, uh, even though you will get access uh, sooner rather than later to the modules that relate to you and your team, I want everyone to um, understand all of the modules because even if there's a particular training around something that's not directly related to your team, I still want you to get an insight into that so you understand how your team helps the other team to work together and it creates that culture of team, it creates that culture of unity. And so one month, uh, uh, well one Sunday a month, uh, we are going to, after lunch here, we'll bring uh, all of our volunteers in for an hour um, and we will... um, give them that training, which is via video for one hour, <clears throat> and we'll go through that over the 24 months, okay? But you'll also get access to the training with your respective teams. That's part of how we're going to do it. Next slide, Jess. Also, how we're going to do it is a big part of the, the 24 to double is the, the team culture. And so we already have great teams established, and we're not necessarily going to make major changes, but we are going to do some fine-tuning tuning, I said like an American, fine-tuning um, and just a reworking of our team so we can work a little bit more, um, I suppose, more effectively together. Um, and so these seven teams, again, are going to have a common focus and goal of 24 to double. So the next slide. So team number one is going to be our community outreach and missions team, okay? Um, and so uh, this is, this is going to be a, a such a, a big focus of everything that we do. We've, we've been doing a little bit of it, but it's going to be uh, even more strategic this year. Uh, I'll just share a little bit of, of some of the things. Uh, so this is just to whet your appetite, but the, the strategy here is, is that we, we will come up with uh, specific events uh, to attract the community. Um, we're also going to come up with other uh, initiatives. Obviously, our community dinners uh, are one. We want to um, partner with some parachurch ministries, so other ministries outside of our church that are already doing great work in the community and work with them and, and then be able to, uh, you know, with permission, if we build relationship, then we can, if they don't have local churches to go to, those people that have been ministered in the community can come here um, and we can disciple them. Um, so there's a lot of strategies, but one of the great things is there's going to be a real creative thing to this because uh, we're going to do uh, some events uh, we're going to do, there's great ideas, but the thing is, is that the community and outreach missions team are going to have a big part to play in coming up with the ideas, coming up with the different ways that we can attract the community and we can also bless the community when we go out. And so uh, this is, uh, you know, going to be such a fun uh, team to be a part of. The next team, thank you, Jess, is our service and hospitality team, uh, a team that we already have, our service team and our cafe and our catering team. And uh, those teams are, are going to work more closely together. They already do, but they're going to work even more closely together. When they get under this training, we're just going to look at ways about how uh, we can do things even better. Next team 
is our creative team, uh, which will be our worship and, and our uh, audiovisual team working together. And again, there's great training around uh, looking at what we're doing and how we can do different things again to reach the community. Next team is our kids church team, our amazing kids church team. And there's uh, phenomenal training in there um, as well that we're going to access to, to look at what we're doing and look at how we can refine things. Again, how can we use our kids programs to reach the community? Next team. Okay, Pathways team. This is, is something that's going to be a, a, an anchor point to our church. It's going to be very uh, uh, even evolved to what it is now. So we've, we've had an amazing uh, feedback from uh, you know, Chris, and we've also had Sulu, who's helped with doing a lot of follow-up calls, and we've had new people who come in if they give their life to Christ or if they are new and they're looking for local church. We've had uh, over 2017. We never really did that. We had great follow-up as a focus. And so this Pathways team is, is going to uh, even go to a new level where it's from everything from when someone walks into the house of God, whether they're uh, given their life to Christ for the first time at the altar call, if they've filled out a Connect card, to following them up, to reaching out to them, to helping them, maybe if they need to get water baptized, to uh, then helping them to connect into a Connect group or to get into a membership class, to, uh, to then uh, getting involved with a team and finding their spiritual giftings, to then getting into a Bible study where they need to grow in the things of God, to then maybe doing a leadership class if they're interested in leadership ministry, whatever it is. And so when you think about a pathway, it's really about a whole team that's going to be shepherding people from their very first entry point right through to all the multiple entry points of them growing in the things of God at Forever House. So it's going to be a phenomenal focus uh, this year. Next team is our circles team. Now this circles team is uh, really going to be an overarching thing. We've been we launched dinner parties last year. It's been very successful in young adults, building great community. But what we've realised over the years is if you only have one style of connect group or small group, it doesn't suit everyone. So under circles, it's going to be all things dinner parties. It's going to be Bible studies. It's going to be. Uh, social groups. It's going to be also mentoring. We're going to be uh, launching more one-to-one mentoring because some people, when they come in, you know, some people might just jump into a more of a a connect group style because they're more uh, into that. And some people hang back from that because they're not sure yet. And they might more flourish with six months of one-to-one mentoring, and then they might get into a connect group. So, but this is all things, you know, courses and training and getting them plugged in if they need help with anything else as well. But circles is really going to be our whole pastoral shepherding um, small group ministry, but it's going to be more a buffet of multiple flavors because not everyone kind of suits one style, if that makes sense. So again, there's going to be some great training around that. Last team is our prayer and our counseling team. And obviously everything about this needs cover with prayer. Uh, Great thing is we've had our prayer team just request all of our prophetic words over the years, and they're going to start praying those things out. We have an intercessory team that really fights spiritually for the vision of the house. They come in here every second Tuesday, and also we're evolving this team to include more prayer counseling as well for people as they go along their journey, and they're they're kind of stuck at a particular place. Maybe they need some specialized ministry. And I just want to take the opportunity. Bob, can you just stand up for a second? Let's have the opportunity just to let you know. Most people know Barb. Uh, she is uh, an ordained minister under Christian International. She's worked with Greg and Julie for, for many years. Come up here, beautiful Barb. Hello. So we, most people refer to Barb as Mama Barb, right? Because we love her. 
Um, but from today onwards, we want to encourage you um, that we would now want you to refer to Barb as Pastor Barb. Okay. So, so Barb uh, is going to work alongside the other assistant pastors, Jason and Thomas and Sandy. And, and, you know, I mean, there's no real major change. It's just that we wanted to, um, you know, we find that when it comes to local church, it's important. There's all these other titles out there like apostle and prophet and that's all good. But when it comes to local church, it's very much a family feel at forever. And um, as much as we believe in those titles and we respect those titles, sometimes those titles can feel a little bit uh, weird to people. Uh, not saying that in a negative way, but I'm just being honest with you. And, uh, and you know, even though Barb is ordained as a prophet, we just feel for our culture, which is very family oriented, that we want people to be able to call Barb Pastor Barb. Is that cool? All right, let's get, get show some encouragement. Thanks, Barb. So Barb heads up our prayer and counseling team. I'll we'll continue to do that with all the prayer team. All right, next slide. So all of these teams are actually going to work closer together because there's going to be five focuses where they understand their team is responsible and takes ownership in helping to, to grow the church. And in some ways, some teams will have a little bit more of an in emphasis or input in some of these steps more than others and vice versa. But what we want to do is we want to create even a stronger culture. So there really hasn't been a problem with our culture. It's a very good culture, very team-focused culture. But we want to even take that to the next level uh, by making sure that everyone, when you're on a team, we all have the attitude, well, first of all, let's say the attitude that we don't want our team to have, and that is, oh, well, that's not my job. That's not, that's not really my, my area. So, for example, if you're on the music team and you see a piece of rubbish on the floor, well, that's not my job. That's the service team's job. Our attitude would be, well, if I'm walking past that piece of rubbish, I'm a, I'm a team member overall, uh, and I'm contributing to the overall vision. And if we're wanting to attract people to the house of God, we need to have respect for the house of God. And if I'm walking past that piece of rubbish, even if I'm on the music team, it doesn't matter what team I'm, I'm going to pick it up and I'm going to put it in the bin. All right? So it doesn't matter uh, what team we're in, we're all going to have a focus around helping people to go through this five-step journey of growth. And that's, we want to attract people. What we mean by attracting people is we want to attract people uh, to the house of God. We want to attract people to Jesus. And then we want to win them. Then we want to see them planted. We want to help them to grow. And if it's the right step for them, we want to build them not, in life, but not only in life, but also to build them and raise them up if they want to be a leader as well. So just to go through these five steps very quickly. Uh, next slide. Thanks, Jess. So attract means we want to reach, we're going to invite, and we're going to serve people. We're going to serve people with excellence, and, and people are drawn when they see a community that has excellence and, and wants to serve. There is a humility and attractiveness about that, and it represents who Jesus is. And so that's a strategy. Obviously, I'm just giving you some buzzwords here to give you a taste of it, but the, the modules are going to give you all the detail. The training is going to be very extensive and comprehensive. The next uh, step after we attract people, then we want to win them. The Bible says that it takes wisdom to win souls. And that doesn't just mean uh, win, win people for salvation, but it means to win people, to actually not just win them to Jesus, but to win them into your, your church and your community to actually build relationship with people. It takes wisdom. And so we need to follow up people appropriately. We need to connect with them. And we need to love them by giving Give them a sense of attention. Tell them, hey, we noticed that you were here on Sunday and we noticed that you connected with this person. Say, so, hey, we thought we'd follow up to see, hey, how'd you go? Is there any other information that you want? So we're going to have more and more of that strategy with our win focus. 
next uh, one is plant. And so Pathways is going to be a big part of getting people planted, but also all of our teams. You know, as you reach out to new congregational members and you encourage them to get planted, we want everyone to have a focus of helping people to get planted, and that'll be through teams and circles and pathways. Um, next one is once people are planted, we want to help them to grow. And obviously, we're going to do that a lot through encouraging people and teaching them, equipping them through the different offerings under circles. And then lastly, we want to build and we want to provide mentoring and coaching and empower people um, as they rise up in all things in life leadership and ministry leadership. So they're the five steps. Okay, next slide. This is our very last part. So what next? So we've gone through why. What's the motivation behind our vision for 24 months? We've talked about what is it um, to go from 100 to 200 uh, in 24 months. And we've talked about how we're going to do it uh, holistically in terms of good training and a good united focus. So our what next. Next slide, please. I'm going to ask the stewards to hand, um, in a moment, hand these out for us. Uh, what we're going to do here is we're really encouraging you to invite to join us over the next 24 months. And the philosophy or the heartbeat is let's give it a go, okay? Let's step out by faith and let's give it a go. That's what God simply asks of us. And so we want to encourage you to register your interest in a team today. Now, you may be here today and you're already involved in a team and that's great, all right? You may be involved in a team, but you might be interested in another team, okay? Um, so if you're already in a team, we still want you to participate in this because you can, through this response right now, as we close Vision Sunday, you're going to be able to uh, let us know that you might be interested in another team or somewhere else, okay? Now, you're going to be handed a green card called Get Involved. Everyone say Get Involved. Now, on the back, we've got more of our old teams, okay? But if there's a new team, and I'm going to get Jess to kind of just keep flicking through the, the seven teams in a minute. But for example, pathways you might be interested in, or circles you might be interested in running a Bible study or something like that. Um, you can write those down the bottom here. And if you write them down the bottom here, we know that you're interested. Okay? All right? Or there may be some of the ones there that you can tick and you say, look, I'm interested in getting involved there. Um, please, we would like everyone to participate in this. Okay? Can I tell you why? It just helps us so that we can get a great response today and we can get the, the momentum running and we can contact you, we can have a conversation with you and see if it's the right fit for you and then if it is, we can get you in that team, get you orientated into that team and trained up, okay? I've obviously just spent the last 40 minutes giving my all, casting the vision. One thing I would ask if we can work together right now is if I can ask everyone to participate in this, okay? Because imagine if I had a one-to-one -one with you we had a coffee and I talked about the vision. At the end, I said to you, hey, can you give me some feedback on where would you like to be involved? And I'd like to get some feedback from you right there and then so that for me, that tea or coffee session was fruitful. I'm getting an outcome. I'm getting a response. All right. Rather than you going away from the tea or coffee session and then I have to follow up and then I have to follow up and then I have to follow up. So for us to make this the most fruitful morning that we can, I'd like everyone to fill in one of these cards. So if you're already a team member... I'll just repeat myself so people are really clear. If you're already a team member, we would still encourage you um, to fill this out if there is another team uh, that you would like to show interest in and you'd like more information about. Okay? All right?
Okay, good. All right, the other card is um, getting plugged in. Now, this is more when it comes to maybe you are in a team or maybe you're not in a team and you'd like to get plugged in. What does that mean? Uh, you might want to get plugged in to forever. Uh, you you, you wanna, might want to see your kids get plugged into forever kids. Maybe that you want some more information on that. Or forever uh, young. Um, now, if you tick forever young, uh, just because we've got to get these updated because we've had a, a change there, uh, that could be youth or young adults. And forever life is more the circles. So the the small groups, any type of Bible study, anything relational like that, okay? So the relational ministries is get plugged in. We'd love you to respond. If you're not plugged in yet to some type of a, um, a relational ministry where you go along and you connect, you grow in God with people, whether it be a dinner party, whether it be a Bible study, whether it be mentoring, this could be also, if you're interested in mentoring, just write the word mentoring there, and I want you to write down your name as well. So the get plugged in, the red card, is for relational ministries, but it also might be where you want to, you might want to be interested in, uh, in running a Bible study yourself, or you might want to uh, have some training on how to do a dinner party or run a dinner party yourself, okay? And again, when you're filling out these cards, these are not contracts. You're not signing your life away and locking yourself in. This is just registering your interest so that we know. So then when we contact you, we can give you more information. And once you've got more information, you can then let us know, hey, yeah, this would be something I'd like to commit to for, for at least six months. And then we can get you plugged into that particular ministry, that program, or that team. Okay? So just put your hand up if you haven't got one of these cards from the stewards and you're wanting one. So we've got some guys over here and at the back there. Just keep your hand up if you're needing a card and you haven't got one. We're handing out pens as well. I think if you need a pen, yep, we're handing out those pens too. So just a reminder that, you know, the teams, uh, if they're not listed there, it's because we've got to update these cards with a new vision. We've still got some people over here that we need to hand out. Maybe if we can grab a portion of those. I really appreciate that everyone's making the effort to respond. Um, it just helps us to get a response quicker, and then we can get going with contacting you and reaching out. And... Uh, Really, it is. It's about one of the, the, the most significant things is with a, with a community like this. If everyone participates and everyone has a go and contributes in whatever way they feel to, um, it, it, it helps us to kind of work together. It helps to build community as well. Uh, but what I love about this is this is an invitation. Uh, we don't force people. People don't have to. Uh, but we invite people to journey with us. And one great way is to um, participate. So we're getting a, a great response, so I appreciate that. I'm going to ask the music team just to come up, and if we could just finish with one song, because once the music team comes up to wrap up Vision Sunday, I'm going to pray in a second, but I just want to give this a moment for the, vision t uh, for the music team to come up. We're going to finish with one song to close Vision Sunday. But just keep filling out those forms. And I'm going to ask, uh, once your form is filled out, if you can pass it to the end of your row, and if the person sitting at the end of the row can hold on to a whole wad of forms, and then our stewards can come and collect them, if we can coordinate that quickly now as you're filling out forms. If you're still filling it out, don't rush, that's fine. But as we're doing that, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for 2018 and for 2019. And we thank you, Lord, that you're a God who gives direction and vision. And we thank you, Lord, that these are exciting times that you've already put us onto 
a trajectory of growth. And I thank you, Lord, for the different slides that you've helped us to, to put together, Lord, to show the church that you are moving and you're helping us to move forward. And we thank you, Lord, for this season of fruitfulness. We thank you, Lord, for this season of strategy. We thank you for this season of training. And above all, God, we thank you for salvations in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for people to come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We thank you, Lord, that this place will be an open heaven. Lord, that we're going to reach out to the community. We're going to bring them in, Father. We're going to see them become saved. We're going to make disciples. We're going to have to raise people up, Father, into leadership. And I thank you, Lord, that you're building a strong and powerful home base called Forever House in Brisbane. So, Lord, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory as we worship you to finish off Vision Sunday. And everyone said, Amen.